Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's up, my peoples? I hope you're doing well. Now, how'd you like those live Goldie episodes? Now, if you haven't checked them out yet, definitely go back and do that. You don't want to miss out on everything that happened on the night of the live pod. <laughs> and be sure to go over to HueyMorgan.com and sign up for my mailing list and get a heads up the next time we do a live pod, plus the inside scoop on whatever else is popping over at Huey HQ. And there's plenty. And of course, you know the drill. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. The more positive reviews we receive, the easier it is for new peeps to find us. Okay, the formalities are over. Now it's time to get on to my guest this week. She's a little bit different to the lineup so far, but she's still a musician and a total G, so I know you're going to like her. Jensen Chero is a New York Times bestselling author of You Are a Badass and You Are a Badass at Making Money. She's also written a semi-autobiographical novel called Don't Sleep with Your Drummer, a sentiment I absolutely endorse. As well as that, The Straight Girl's Guide to Sleeping with Chicks. Yeah, Jen is a badass New York City musician writer who got tired, in her own words, of being broke as a joke and set out to learn about the world of self-improvement. She journeyed to L.A., high-fived peoples at seminars, did all that corny kind of stuff that made her cynical New York sensibilities very uncomfortable. And as she shares on the pod, it started to work. Now, she's a best-selling author, success coach, and motivational cattle prod. Again, her words. And she shares some pretty cool stuff on how to get what you want in life. And she does it in a really easy-to-understand, non-corny way, which I find very, very cool. So open your mind and your ears to a bona fide badass this is Jen Sincero. So how's your day going, okay? That's great. How's yours? Excellent, excellent. Just hanging with my two monkeys at the pool out here in Somerset. Um, are you with that... Um that place that Kat took me to... Um, oh, the Babington House. Yeah, yeah, we were over there. I've been a member there forever. But it's also it's always kind of tricky because I'm a New York guy with tattoos. So mm-hmm. whenever I show up there, they think I'm kind of crashing. And well, I thought it was more that rock and roll there, no? Well, or maybe it, it, you're sort of the trailblazer. <laughs> I don't know if I'm blazing trails, but it, it just seems like a lot of the, the people that work there who may be a little bit young to know who I am or whatever... Just think like, wow, this guy's just trying to scam. So right, they, they, they so they, yeah, yeah, they always hit me up for my membership card, and they're like, "Where's your membership card?" And I'm like, "If I don't have it, like last time I was there with my son, they kicked me out, and the lady was real that's mean to me." Hilarious. But hey, that's the way it is, being a badass, and I'm glad that you know, I, I get to speak to an actual bona fide badass here on the podcast because it's it's awesome. I mean, like I I love I love the idea of people becoming their own hero, their own badass. And I, I, I just think it's awesome. My wife gave me the, the book that you signed for her. I'm reading that. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. How to be a badass at making money. And, and you know, before we get into this, because I know that you've, you've, I've done interviews for the last 20 years, right? And sometimes it's, it's, it's a little boring to do a little bit of the back page. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm game for whatever, so... Whatever you got to do, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> well, I just want to let people know who are you know who may not know who you are, which is probably very few at this stage, though. Uh, like how you got into doing what you're doing. I mean, you are you know how many times do you have a bestseller in the New York Times list? Every book you put out? Hell no. These last few. <laughs> the last few but, still. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know it's insane. It's it's crazy. 
I do particularly like the one about warning warning people off the drummer. <laughs> I know my drummers, the bands I've been in, they really don't appreciate it. But, uh, you know. and, the, and the distinction there that's very important is don't sleep with your drummer. You yeah. can sleep with other people's, just don't sleep with your own. Yeah, your own drummer is probably not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you did. You came from you came from, I guess, a rock and roll background to a large extent, creative background, I should say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was in rock bands for like. I don't even know, 10 years, and I've always been a writer and a performer, and yeah, and it, I was having a blast doing all of it, but I was broke as a joke, so that was sort of how this whole self-help thing came around, where it was just like, really? This is the best I can do? Like, I'm still living in a damn garage, and I'm 40? You know, it was just, it was just, I just couldn't take it anymore. I, I hear you there. Where were you, lo- where were you, where were you coming up? Was it LA or New York, or... Um, well, I was in New York, uh, I was in New York when I was in my first band, I was in New York and I was working at a record company and just in my twenties having a full on blast and then moved to New Mexico. And that's where I really started playing in a bunch of bands and really sort of went for the whole musician thing. And then I was there for four years and then I moved to LA and that's where, um, I stopped doing the music thing and started really focusing on the writing thing. And the money thing. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's really cool because I did read a bunch about you because I, I always like to find out from other people as well. Like I know a lot of people who, who know of you. And, I, and the one thing, I, whenever I mention your name, and this is this is a true thing, everybody smiles. When, when I go, okay, hey, you over here, Jen, Jen, Jen Sincero, every, everybody I spoke to like smiles and goes, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's so nice to hear. That's an awesome reputation you got, you know? No kidding. And I, I know you wrote something that was really interesting where you said, like, it's, it's you know, you can be happy and broke or happy and rich or unhappy and rich or unhappy and broke, and you take the, the rich thing all the time. And I remember on my first record, I came up in Lower East Side of Manhattan, right? So I came from very humble expectations, right? So when I was younger, there was always that maybe that rapper mentality where money is good. You know, money's not a bad thing. It's not bad to want money. But as I as I started making money, I started seeing the people around me really kind of acting like they didn't really like the money they were making. And it was kind of like a bad thing. I was like, y'all are knuckleheads, man. You know, it, it, it's good to have money. It's good to be fiscally aware of what's going on. And you had a good, you had a good epiphany, I think, when you were, I think the story goes where you were, uh, you were, you were kind of like doing crochet work or something. And you're like, screw this. <laughs> Yeah, knitting. Yeah, my, my big money maker. Knit, spend spend like 50 bucks on each ball of yarn and knit things that take you five hours to knit and see if you can sell them for 20 bucks, you know? Right. It's really not the wisest financial move on my part. Well, I, I know dudes that, you know, flip keys to make money, so I, I think probably the, the idea of, you know, flipping yarn is probably a little bit safer. Yeah. I don't actually know what flipping keys. Mean. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm 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 just I'm just assuming I'm just assuming you are totally on my wavelength all the time because you're so cool. But it, it you know how how dudes always talk about the drug game and how like if I make a little bit of money I'll just buy a key and then I'll flip it and then I have double the money. It's just the silly rapper mentality. But but kilo the, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, what kilo exactly exactly. No, without, without getting too rapper Speak on. Into the cones, honey. <laughs> So where do you think this whole idea of being a, I guess, the nobility in the struggle kind of lets people kind of not strive for more? Where does it come from? Yeah. Is it society? Is it, you know, the previous generation screwing us? I've really been trying to figure that question out myself. I mean, it's so pervasive that... You know, your your attitude towards money is so refreshing that it's good and it's what you, you should strive for and that it's healthy. And But the majority um, of people do have so much judgment and guilt and shame around money. And I think absolutely it's society. But then it's like, why does society do that? I think, I think a big part of it, too, is our focus is in the wrong place. We focus on all of the unspeakable and horrific things people do out of greed. And let's be clear, it's not a... It's not about going after making money. It's out of greed, which is very different from oh, yeah. money. And we tend to confuse those two terms. Uh-huh. So when we focus on that, then we prohibit ourselves from being, you know, I don't want to be one of those money monger, you know, greed 
Yeah, I don't be a horrible human being. So, but that's weird how it transcends when people kind of they don't think about greed. They, actually, they do think about greed and being wealthy in the same breath, which is I always thought that was a real big disconnect. Absolutely, and so and you don't even realize it, and it's so you know that word noble is such a great one. It's like it's it's so noble then to not want money or to have money because it means you haven't done anything bad to the planet or fellow humans or animals or whatever. That actually is um, why I was so excited to write this book. One one big part of it was to shake people up and be like, "Hello, are you even aware that you're?" running your life on this unquestioned belief that money is bad that's sick i mean so i i, I when i when i read your book right there's a lot of stuff that like you know people i guess can't see the forest through the trees a lot and it's also great like you mentioned how you got into the whole like self-help idea where you're like you were sick and tired of being broke but you made a conscious effort to not be broke you know what i'm saying and for so many people because it's so loaded and there's so much judgment on it, to make the conscious effort to not be broke is right there huge because focusing on money is bad. And if you are focused on money, it automatically means you are going to do horrible things for it. It automatically means you're going to do stuff you hate for it. It automatically means you're going to, you're going to compromise your values for it, right? That's what we in our bones believe so we don't let ourselves do it. And if you want to change your financial situation, you have to focus on making money. It's not just going to happen magically by kind of sort of doing stuff. So for me to make that choice, it was that one shift right there was enormous. And believe me, I got judged by my friends. I got judged by my family. I got judged by myself. Yeah. But <laughs> Did you beat yourself up over it when you were counting I, your money? <laughs> I definitely, it took me some, you know, to go out there and admit like, you know, I've done the creative thing. I've done the rock band thing. I've done the writer thing. I'm doing the money thing now. I'm ready to make money. And it's a dirty word. You know, you really, we don't talk about money in our culture. And, um, but you, so that is why it's, it's such a big deal. It's, it's, you know, I, I compare it to sex in my book. We're all supposed to be really good at it. Yeah, yeah. We're all supposed to know what we're doing. And you're never <laughs> supposed to talk about it. You're never supposed to ask anybody any question, you know, because it's, and yet it's part of everyday life. So it's, it's just a, I think waking up to that aware, you know, that to, uh, the the loadedness around it is is one of the most important things you can do as a first step to getting rich. Now, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you because it seems to me there's a lot of, and because I have a house in England, I, I'm kind of privy to this Anglophile kind of Victorian angle on a lot of things that the British have. But it seems, you know, I think there was when it comes to like you know sex and all that kind of stuff. But well, I like the way you kind of drew the comparison to that where you're supposed to be, like, amazing at something that you've never tried before. It's like, you know, you actually have to practice to be good at certain things, like playing guitar or whatever. So mm -hmm. when you first started trying to make money, there was obviously, you said there were a lot of pitfalls that you ran into, but what do you think the, is, the, is the biggest challenge convincing yourself that you deserve it? I think that's a really big one. It's like admitting that you want to be tied up and, you know, <laughs> just like Batman, you know, whatever it is, like, yeah. <laughs> Being okay with it, the shame, shame, man, shame takes the fun out of everything. It's true. It's, I mean, I got, I got young kids. They run around butt naked anywhere, they, any chance they can, right? And I'm so jealous of that. Yeah, you know, and then there's a thing where you know they're at a certain age where they can get away with it, but you know, their kids. I saw a couple of kids that maybe like two years older than my son, probably like eight or ten or something. And they're like, man, I can't run around naked no more. That sucks because they don't really understand why it's a bad thing. And you, with making money, do you think people don't really understand, you know, wh why it's not a bad thing because they don't talk about it? They think if you have money, you're going to turn into a Bond villain or, like, you know, kind of weird recluse who, like, you know, uses his money to fuck with people's lives. It's like people actually think that. Yeah. And so, and you know, and just like sex, um, you can't even make the first move because you start talking about it and you're shut down. You know, we don't talk, it's not, it's not okay to ask somebody how much money they make. It's not okay to, to celebrate making a ton of money. It's seen as, you know, showing off or, um, in bad taste. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I think that, um, having, a, it's like any other relationship in your life. It's, you're having a relationship with money. So if you think of it that way, it's like, 
when I'm in a relationship with another person, I talk to them, I pay attention to them, I compliment them, I see their beauty, I see their faults, I, I, you know, they're, I pay attention. And we're sort of taught not to pay a lot of attention to money because if you focus on it, there's something quote unquote wrong with you. And 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 I we keep coming back to this, but it's really it's so subtle and so powerful. See, I, I guess when I was growing up, I must must have had a different upbringing with, because I was raised by my mom, right? So my dad wasn't around. My mom worked a lot, and she had a good job. She was an editor for trade magazines in New York City, and I always and what I was instilled in me was that money equals freedom. And you talk about this in your book as well, and it gives you the freedom to be the person you want to be and do the good things. I, I thought it was good because you kind of rationalize having money to your old self, which is brilliant. Like, look, if I had money, I could do good shit for homeless people. I could do the shit for the, the, the animals I see on TV all fucked up. You know, I could do all this stuff. So it's not a bad thing. And are, are we, are, are we, are, excuse me, are we our worst enemy when it comes down to like, you know, making money? Um, if we're acting on autopilot with these on. Question beliefs, absolutely. And so that's why we always say in the self-help world, awareness is the first step to self-transformation. Like, wake up to what you're believing. Because the second you start questioning, it's like, you know, maybe deep down you think, you know, people with money are evil or money is the root of all evil. And you just sort of assume that and you really think about it. You say it all the time. And then when you stop and question it, it's like, is money really the root of all evil? Has money ever done awesome things for people or the planet or whatever? And you're like, money does awesome things every day. In fact, I bought a really awesome cup of coffee this morning. It is money. Yeah. Right? And that's what I think is so interesting. I mean, I we have been sort of investigating this. We're so focused on the gnarly stuff that money does, but yet every single solitary day, we are given proof of how much freedom and options and joy money brings into our lives. Just honestly, by a cup of coffee, by driving our car, filling it with gas, living in a house, all of that costs money. And that is a joyful thing. So why don't we focus on that? <laughs> now, turning someone who's, I guess, with that kind of mindset into a badass, I know that there's an exercise that really helped me which was you write a letter to money as if it is a person that you're in a relationship with, right? And I, mm -hmm. I, I had a funny letter. I don't want to get into it too much, but it was like, baby, you know, I know when you first showed up, I wasn't ready for you. <laughs> and I might have uh -huh. treated you a little bit kind of like fickly. <laughs> but now, baby girl, you know, and you, and you start actually realizing that your relationship with money is a lot more fucked up than you think it is, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, is that where it kind of, is that the, the thing that when people get down to it, that they can't identify money without having those bad connotations? Um, well, I think the great thing about the letter is it, it wakes you up. It gives you that awareness that we were just talking yeah. about. So taking the time, and it's so funny because I, I remember when I first started doing all the, you know, the work on myself and da, 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 and I was like, oh, it's going to be so much work. It's going to be so hard. And it's like, the work is really waking your ass up to what's going on. So it's a hell of a lot easier to take 10 minutes and write a letter to money and be like, oh, wow, look at that. Mm -hmm. I don't trust money. I think talking about money makes me feel dirty. Um, I want money all the time and I'm excited when I make it, but I've got all this underlying negativity around it that I had no idea I even had. That just took me 10 minutes to figure out. Meanwhile, I've spent 10 years not making any money and working my ass off. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? so yeah totally. That's it. A big misconception also about um, all the work that I did and that I talk about in my book and, and that I'm sure you did is like it's it's actually harder to stay broke and stay in struggle and stay clinging to these negative yeah. beliefs and it to yeah. yourself. See, that's that's it, that's it, really, right? I mean, we're, it's so we're I guess like change is something that you know is unknown, right? And like you said, if you take the 10 minutes, write that letter. I encourage everybody to do it. I could encourage everybody to get this book as well, all your books, really. But the thing is, if you do take that 10 minutes out, like you said, it's it's so eye-opening. You make all these different revelations and have all these great epiphanies within this one exercise that I think it, fu it fueled me, actually, to kind of do more about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I want to be clear, like, you don't write the letter, then all of a sudden you get rich. No, it's not like some crazy yeah. Nigerian yeah. dude send you an email saying, hey, you know, I'm just trying to send this five mil around, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, so, but, but it is, it really, it's, uh, and it is that change, that's exactly what it is that stops us from making these big, big changes in our lives, is we're scared of the unknown, and um, we'd rather cling to our somewhat mediocre to full-on crappy lives, because they're familiar, than you know, then make big changes and leap into the unknown and, you know, perhaps fail or look like an idiot or spend money and not get it back or whatever. But you've got to take risks. If you don't take risks, you get to stay exactly where you are. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to lose, really, at this point, when you think about that kind of thing. Now, when you wrote the first book about being a badass, right? I mean, this, you know, the, the new book is, I guess, you know, a, a kind, of, kind of continuation of the badass motif, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. it, but it's more, you're narrowing the focus with the money thing. When, with the badass, I thought it was a great, I mean, it's a great turn of phrase, though, isn't it? I mean, badass is, everybody wants to be a badass, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, and the great thing about badass is kind of like the MF word in New York City. It can mean a million different things to the million different people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's been so funny because it's been translated into all these different languages. And I'm, I'm, I'm so... What's the, what's so the most bug- like what they think of it in Turkey and, and Slovakia? Like, what does badass mean there? You know, it's funny because I, I I play around a lot of Eastern Europe and places like that, and you know what? They speak better English than some people in New York that I know. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And like, it's weird because you watch the TV; it's usually in English with subtitles. So I guess badass translates worldwide, though. I I guess it does. Who knew? I am I am I almost didn't use that word because of that reason. Really, like, this is a. Yeah, I was like, this is only going to make sense in English-speaking countries, you know, in the, in the great hopes that anyone would give a crap and it would get translated, but I was I was a little concerned about that, and it doesn't seem to be a problem, thank God. Now, when you when you first got this idea to, I guess, get into helping yourself, you said there's a little bit of a stigma with it. I never really got into that kind of scene, but you talk about there actually being a scene about it. The self-help scene? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, there's a scene. I, I mean, yeah. And and in L.A., where I was living at the time, it's a huge scene. It's a lot of, um, you know, I went to a lot of women's entrepreneurial function, networking functions, and lots of, you know, self-help authors having seminars and selling their coaching packages there and, um, you know, money making seminars and all that stuff and for me you know i i'm i'm from new york too i had huge judgments on it just like that it was so raw raw and that they were all swindlers trying to take your money you know getting you all pumped up and then being like okay great you can do anything now give me five trillion dollars and i'll help you and um you know i just i really was snarky about all of it even even the books everything i was just like these people are completely you know, in, in it for themselves. And, uh, but I went anyway, like I kept showing up and all I knew at that time was I had spent 40 years trying to do it on my own, you know, insisting that I could figure it out on my own. And finally I was like, bitch, you ain't figuring it out. So you got to get some help. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to these seminars and put an name tag on and take a risk and, you know, see what it's all about. And lo and behold, I met, a lot of really amazing coaches and speakers and inspirational people that way. And it was great. Then it was super uncomfortable and totally dorky in my too cool for school opinion. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about that because I kind of have that about me as well, but I've, I've learned in my, my 48 years around that you got to kind of get out of your comfort zone and feel like a nerd and feel like a, out of place and, and fail. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, yeah. if you don't screw up, you never know you screwed up. You know what I mean? And then you can't actually find a waypoint to move in a direction that's up. You know? Now, yeah. When did that come across to you? Was it was it pretty much doing the self help thing and getting like a good background? Because some someone was telling me about like linguistics are important as well, like how you say things to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, like I don't know too much about it, but from from what I understand, it's like you know, if if I say something like. If I get five million bucks, I'm just I'll you know buy my mom a house. But if you say when I get five million bucks, I'll buy my. It's a better way to kind of like have yourself think more positively, right? Well, think of the energy behind that, uh-huh. and, it, and it's again, and the thing with this self transformation stuff is it's all so damn subtle. Yeah, but it really counts. So if you're like, if I make five thousand bucks. Versus when I make five thousand bucks, like you can feel the energy in that, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so that energy, and especially because we use words all damn day long, what you repeat over and over and over, it creates what you believe. And it's, it really sounds super duper woo woo and too easy. But when you start changing how you speak and what you focus on and what you think about, you start to change the way you perceive your reality. And then all this new stuff opens up to you. So this was like, this really is the quote unquote secret, right? That may be the secret, Yeah. yeah. but it is. And, and I'll tell you right now, I was so grouchy. Like it can't be that simple guys. Like it can't be as simple as changing my thoughts and my words and my focus. You know, it's got, I, I refuse to believe that I just spent 40 years being broke ass and it's this easy to change, like, screw you. But <laughs> it says something more about you than it does the process, right? Like, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, but it is huge when your attitude changes everything. So the way you speak and the way you think and the way you choose to look at your environment, like right now, there are countless things I could be whining and bitching and moaning about and focusing on and freaking out about and being hopeless about. You know, it's yeah, all right there. Yeah, there I mean, there's no yeah. lack of it. <laughs> yeah, or I could focus on things that are awesome and exciting and give me great hope and inspiration. And and where I choose to play my, place my focus changes my energy and changes the way that I perceive my reality. And right there, if you, you know, stop listening to this podcast right now, that is probably the biggest piece of advice. Like, how are you living? How are you choosing to focus? How are you choosing to speak and think? See, Pay attention to that stuff because it is large, Marge. Yeah, it that, really is. You see, that's the thing that I've been, I mean, you said it's, it's so subtle, right? But those little changes, what you choose to focus on, you know, I mean, I've found it, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, getting around to understanding that I've been doing these things, but not as well as I could have been, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I know that the energy thing really works in my favor when I am positive and choose to focus on things that are really important and mm-hmm. things that I really want to focus on rather than all the bullshit. And I think with what you've done with these books is you make it so easy <clears throat> to understand that it's it's okay to not have gotten it on the first go. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, mm. it's not so self-critical. A lot, a lot of times if people are trying to give you any kind of advice especially in this day and age, everybody's like, hey, what the f- yeah, don't give me no advice. We talk about hey, well, Who are you? But the thing is, I think the way you approach it is is just so personable. You know what I mean? It, it's something where it's like, look, I think you say a lot of times, if I can get rich, you can get rich, right? I mean, it's like, it, it's just yeah. a matter of, and I kind of I kind of use that ethos when I when I do a lot of my, my, my work as, as a performer. I'm, look, if I can do it, you can do it. You can enjoy it. Like when I teach people how to do what I do a little bit, that's kind of mm-hmm. how you kind of got to do it, you know? Yeah, because it, it really, I mean, we're all human and we're all screwed up. Like, believe me, I got plenty of stuff I'm still working on. Oh, yeah, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and I forget yeah. to focus on the positive and I, you know, talk crap. Like, it's a, it's, that's why it, you know, it's, it's called a practice. So you were always practicing this. So it's not, don't use, you know, the fact that you made a wrong choice or focused in the wrong way or talking badly about yourself. Like, don't use that as another excuse to think you're a big fat loser. You know what I mean? Like, we're all, the key is, is that you're in the game, that you're even listening to this podcast, that you're, you know, that you're, that you're making some changes and you're signing up to do better. And that's, that's it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, so, it's like the journey of a thousand miles because it begins with one step, you know, and, and exactly. I've, I always found, especially, you know, especially with, in this day and age, I always say that a lot. I always find myself going, what am I talking about? But there is this kind of communal, uh, almost like, the, like I was talking about this uh, like this communal nobility and like we all kind of understand about the good and the bad in the world but we don't we're not as smart as our phones and we do a lot of assuming and it's the thing that when you said it's a practice which every day you got to practice like it's an instrument and it is an instrument in a lot of ways because it'll help you get to where you want to be like a guitar will if you know remember that foreigner song jukebox hero uh-huh all right now that was my jam when i was a kid jen like, I'd hear that song, Goosebumps Would Happen. I was like, damn, man, I, just, I would love to be that kid, you know, that, you know, listens to the rock and roll outside of Madison Square Garden, and hears the band playing, and then, like, you know, 10 years, 20 years later, plays Madison Square Garden. And that was, Aww. like, my whole thing, right? But I knew that it wouldn't happen with me just snapping my fingers, you know? I knew that I had to practice something every day to do well at it. Right. And I'm not really too sure where that was instilled in me, probably with my mom, right? 
But yeah. with with any kind of like, when I say self-help, I know a lot of people are going to be like, damn, what does that mean? And exactly, I don't really know what it means. But I think self-improvement is probably a better way to put it, right? Because it's something you got to do every day. And over a long period of time, like working out or anything, you, you get better at it and it gets better. Yeah. It, you, you see better results. You know, like I'm, I started working out really heavy maybe six months ago, right? And I'm starting to see results now. You know, it didn't happen yeah, for a long time. Yeah. It, it didn't help happen for a long time. You know, I was like, you know, I quit smoking. I was like, I got to get rid of this gut. I got to do stuff. So eventually I started seeing it, you know. And I think a lot of times people, you know, they, I think, like I say, in this day and age, people listen to respond a lot of times. And if they don't see immediate results, they think it, it, it it's almost too difficult to, to achieve. And that's where they're wrong, I think. And I think in your books, you tell people that in a really good way that they know that instinctually. Well, you know, and I, I used to uh, be a journalist and I, I was for a while interviewing really successful entrepreneurs and the number one thing, I'd be like, what's your number one secret to success? And everybody, almost everybody responded with tenacity. Yeah. They're like, do not give up. You have got to stay the course. Now, there are times when you need to course correct and, mm-hmm. you know, change up how you're doing stuff if it's not working, but you stay the course and uh, we do live in, you know, it's even more so than ever in an immediate gratification culture. And um, so, you know, you said six months to start seeing results. That's, that's a long time, especially when you're, you know, working out is not always the easiest and toughest thing. No, no, it is. It's, it's, it's freaking horrible at my age, right? I don't want to do this. I'm in the same spot. I don't I'm, do going, this. I'm climbing a bunch of 14ers next month and I got to get in shape for it. And I was like, I'm going to die on the top of that mountain because I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, I just signed but, up um, for a mini triathlon. I feel you too. I'm about to, I think my wife thinks I'm going to kill myself doing it. Oh my gosh. But I'm unavailable to be this weakling. Any, like I, It's really important because I like to be strong and whatever. Anyway, yeah, no, that's but, great. Um, but you, I like the way you use that word. I'm unavailable to be a weakling. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Is that is that like, you know... I guess as you practice your, I guess you practice your instrument enough. Do these like really, you know, do these things really become second nature? Where you say I'm not available to be that way. I think that's an awesome turn of phrase. Thank you. I um, well, it's about really focusing on what you're going for. So I can focus all day long on how good it feels to lie on that couch and drink a margarita. That is a great <laughs> thing. The boat's going right. Instead of going for the hike that I went on this morning and the hike I'm going on this afternoon to train for this, you know, big 14 or strip of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, I'm focusing on how sore my legs are, but how awesome it feels, how psyched I am that I got my ass out of bed at 7 o'clock and ran up the side of a mountain. And that, and that I'm going to be in shape, which means then I can travel the world and go hiking and backpacking in all these places. But I want to do that because, quite frankly, the most important thing to me is being outside and hanging out in nature and seeing cool stuff and... I need to access that with my legs. And if my legs are on a couch all day drinking a margarita, I ain't going there. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's about staying focused on the goal and the excitement and the energy around that goal as opposed to all the excuses that love to worm their way in. Yeah, we do love ourselves some excuses. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned and stay classy. There's even more dope stuff coming your way. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, what would Mark Twain say? <clears throat> Uh, he said a lot of stuff, actually. But he said common sense isn't so common, right? We get a lot of that. I, I imagine with, you know, with if you open up a, a, a smartphone, you get bombarded by knuckleheads doing a lot of knucklehead stuff. But, I mean, I think what I'm trying to ask is when people are, are definitely, it's easier for them to sit on that couch than actually achieve something. Do you think they really have to have a goal uh, to like you know, they always say like you don't know what you want unless you know what you want. You're not going to get what you want unless you know what you want. Mm-hmm. Is that something that people have to solidify in their minds before they start this journey? I think they have to solidify something. Mm-hmm. So the big misconception and the huge roadblock is I don't know what I want. Right. So yeah. then, end of game. If you have to know everything you want, end of game. If you don't know what you want, right? And I believe me, I was the queen of I don't know. I should have it tattooed on my forehead. I lived that way forever. So, um, and I let it stop me. And so it wasn't until I was like, okay, I don't know what I want, but I kind of, I, I do know some things about what I do want. So, you know, I was a freelance writer, I was broke, I was a musician, um, I spent way too much time alone, you know, writing and practicing, whatever, so I knew I wanted to have a reason to leave the house and put on a bra and brush my hair and stuff like that. (laughs) I knew I wanted to help other people, and I knew I wanted to be creative, and I knew I wanted to make money. That was it. That's all I had when I started, but I knew those things, and so what I did, instead of focusing on, I don't know, right, where are you going to place your focus? I started focusing on what I did know and the energy that that gave me. Because if you focus on I don't know, it's such a wet blanket of energy, right? So if you focus on what you do know and like, I want to be out of the house. I want to be hanging out with other people and helping them like and making money. That energetic of that was so much better. So it got my ass off the couch. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this meeting, even though it seems weird, but it it's out of the house. It's going to, you know is it going to meet the things that I do know and help me go towards that? So you start where you're at. Don't expect yourself to know everything. Cause I do think this is another really unhelpful thing that our society beats into our brain is that you've got to know what you're doing and you've got to make a plan around, you know, you have to have that lightning bolt of knowledge of who you are. And it's yeah. like, come on. I know like three people who know who they are early on. The rest of us are just sort of like fumbling around playing with our lips, trying to figure it out. How come we're embarrassed to admit that? Because we're raised to believe you're supposed to know what you, you're doing. Just the way you're raised to believe money is bad. Like, we just automatically take that as the gospel, and it stops us dead in our tracks. So just do what you know how to do, but you got to do it. And, and this is a big thing, too. Sitting around trying to figure it out, you will get precisely nowhere. Getting in the game, just getting out there and taking action and doing stuff that feels kind of right. Maybe you're not sure it's 100% right. You get answers through doing. Yeah. So show up, take some risks. Maybe it is the wrong step, but at least you'll freaking know. Sitting around trying to figure it out, you will get nowhere fast. Yeah. What is, what's with us having a, a really big problem with you know sitting around and trying to you know exactly catch lightning in a bottle? And not actually going out and failing. And through, I guess, adversity, everybody finds a little bit of strength, right? But also you find you're in a, you're in a spot where you can actually see your goal either behind you, above you, whatever. You know, you can actually see it from a time when you mess up. Why are we so afraid not to, you know, we don't want to mess up and stuff. Like it's going to kill us or something. I know, right? Um, shame, pride. Yeah, where do we get so prideful? I mean, is this a generational thing? Because people give, like, these young kids, these millennials, a hard time, right? But, you know, the millennials, before them, there was us, right? It's not like we gave them such a great example to play with. Do you think it's because we're kind of just, like, a little laissez-faire about stuff? I don't, I don't understand that question. Well, I mean, it'd be like, you know, we're kind of, I know I'm getting a little esoteric here, but... That's okay, no. That's cool, it happens a lot, man, trust me. Uh, no, but, like, you know, like, I, when I was growing up, right, 
and I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but it was one of those things where I saw, I saw like Nixon and the whole, he gave up the presidency and all these kind of like things in the United States that we thought were, you know, institutions kind of crumble around us and stuff. So there was, you know, also the, the nuclear war, hot, cold war thing happening at the same time. And there was like a whole new set of shit yourself worries that came out of that, right? Mm -hmm. So you had like, you know, even in the advent of terrorism, I mean, back in the 70s, they were like the PLO and all the dudes doing crazy shit around. And that was kind of like, you know, it made everybody seem a little bit more like, ah, the dream kind of, the, the head got blown, you know what I'm saying? It's like, nah, mm -hmm. everything's kind of weird now. And did we kind of, I, I get, did we take that postmodernism crap too far and just re don't believe in anything, this whole nihilist idea? I have no idea. I mean, I honestly believe that every generation has stuff like that. You know, we, I, I hear this all the time from older people that are just like, yeah, you know, we thought just the way that we're now, you know, terrified of climate change and all the um, terrorist stuff. And, you know, there's so much unrest in the world that, you know, it's scary to bring children into the world now because of, you know, will there even be a planet in 20 years? Will there be water? Uh but, and it seems very real to me, and I'm certainly very scared about a lot of that, but um, you hear a lot from everybody, we thought our generation was the last one too, which sort of gives me hope, but it also makes me think, wow, humans have been fucked up forever. <laughs> yeah. That, see, that's the thing. I mean, I, 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 I kind of understand, but you know I mean? I'm sorry, go ahead. Leave me interrupt. That's it. Done. Well, yeah, well, and I hear you there. That's, 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 a, that's a great way, I guess, to, to kind of summarize, like every generation thinks they have it bad, right? So mm -hmm. I guess it's just different kind of ideas. Like, you know, you look at a young kid, you know, and they're wrapped up in their social media ideas of what reality is. And we have our own kind of like, I guess we look at it as something that I guess is technology and they look at it as something that that's just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's, yeah, just, it's a very natural part of their reality right now. You know, to us, it's a whole different perspective. Now, now with what with you do, I mean, making a badass in this day and age, <clears throat> which I think you do precisely, is there, is there like a, an ethos that a badass should have in 2017? I mean, I think it, I, I don't necessarily think it's different over time because I think it's more about human ability to choose. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to that. So whatever time you're living, whatever reality you're living in, I mean, right now, you know, I'm living in a certain reality. There are people who have a hell of a lot more challenges than I did coming up. Um, and there's a hell of a lot more people who had it way better than I did, you know, less challenges, whatever. So I think it's sort of a universal, timeless message of the power that we all have in us to choose how we perceive, how we think, how we act, how we show up, who we're being. And that, um, that really is what it all boils down to, is your choice in how you're living your life. Now, do you think, like you mentioned before, just in that last sentence, you were talking about showing up. And I was always told when I was young, right? doesn't matter if you're really good at something or really bad at something. If you're showing up, that's like 50% of it right there. Is that, totally. is that, I mean, that, that's a, I guess that's a, a thing that's kind of like through the ages, <laughs> just show up, dude, you'll be fine. But, you know, is, is that something that people tend, have a tendency to need a little bit of a kick in the butt for, to do? Well, I think they don't show up because they haven't figured it all out yet. They don't show up because they don't want to fail. They don't show up because they don't have the money. They don't show up because they don't know what they're doing. You know, all of these excuses will keep you exactly where you're at. And it's like, yeah, we could all say that. How bad do you want it? Yeah. Take it, some damn risks. I Take think, out a loan. Look like an idiot. You know, show up when you have absolutely no idea what you're doing and, and figure it out. So it really comes down to are you how, how badly do you want it? Indeed. I, I think that's a, a great way to kind of I talk about what you do, right? Because I think what you've kind of done, you're the, I guess, the conduit to a lot of the, what is it, the self-improvement side of things and bring it back to like um, I don't want to say normal people because it makes me sound like I'm being like a little bit dicky to the self-improvement people but you know when people talk about <laughs> but you know there's like a stigma there with like self-help and I know that, that you've talked yeah. about that before and people think oh if I do that they're kind of admitting something that's not that's not good in my life and, you know and everybody thinks that I'm a jerk or I'm failing or whatever but once you kind of do that and show up and start the process I mean, that, that makes your life a little bit better, just just doing that, just feeling a little bit of pride for trying to change your situation. Yeah, and, and, you know, and again, it's about focusing on the fact, like, 
I'm getting, you know, if you want to lose weight, you don't focus on the fact that you're overweight. You focus on the fact you're getting in shape and you're excited and you love your body and you're, you know, grateful to be on planet Earth in a human body and you're going to take care of that body. Like, you know, what do you, it all depends on what you choose to focus on. Yeah, but when, when, when people do choose to focus on certain realities, I mean, like you said, there are a million of them, we choose the ones we're kind of playing with. Do you think there's almost a communal tendency to kind of be a little bit more doom and gloom? Yes. And we need totally live in a fear-based society. And that's another one that's, I don't, I don't know why. And I suspect it is because, well, I'm sure it's out of fear of losing power. I feel like you can really control lots of people if you keep them terrified. Mm. So, you know, out of, out of the original fear of humans for whatever reason, um, and I have researched this not at all, but that's sort of the conclusion I've come to is, you know, why are we such a fear-based society? I mean, life sure as hell is scary. I mean, right now we are on a tiny pinprick of a planet out in outer space with, you know, really, let's think about that for two seconds. You'd be <laughs> under your bed for the rest of your life if you focused on that, right? Yeah. So... There's plenty of stuff to be scared of, but but there's also so much to rejoice about and be grateful for, and you know, and and I, I just I just think that we tend to focus on the fear stuff more, and so then it really is, and, and this is sort of I'm glad you brought up going to the gym because this is why we've got to stay at what I call the spiritual gym. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep that muscle strong because if you just hang out and sort of you know have things here or there that you're doing better and that you've got to make it like a, a workout practice. You want to get in shape. You want to lose that beer gut. You want to climb mountains. You got to make it a practice and you got to show up and, and, and you've got to, um, counteract the way that you usually are. You were, we're more inclined to lie around and, and be lazy because it's, you know, you don't got to sweat for that. We're more inclined to be fearful because it's easy. Cause that's what everybody else is. You want to make positive change in your life. You got to sort of go against that grain and in order to do that, it's really a habit. So and it doesn't need to be a big freaking deal. Like, honestly, working out 30 minutes a day can make a huge change in your life. Waking up every day and reading a self-help book or um, listening to inspirational CDs or hanging out with people who are kicking ass and excited about life instead of fearful, that makes a humongous difference. So it's about getting into the habit and making a routine and being very serious about doing the work that will make the real changes. Now, do you think, like, I, I guess that's vigilance, right? I mean, to anything that that you really care about and want to achieve, you have to be vigilant in its in the in the in the endeavor, right? So, the the, the vigilant, almost being hyper vigilant, really, right? So every day you mm-hmm. got to get in the fight, show up, be there, mm-hmm. be present. You know, it, it's, have you ever heard of a guy named Jocko Willink? No. All right, this dude, <laughs> this dude's pretty. He's he. Uh, the only reason I bring him up is because he is kind of like. In a lot of ways, you and him are, are saying the same kind of thing, but he says it in a very different way. And mm-hmm. he, he's a former Navy SEAL officer. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a moment, check out YouTube. He's just really intense. But a lot of the ideas behind it are the kind of the same thing. you got to show up. you got to be present. He's a little bit, he barks a lot because he's a former uh-huh. commando guy, right? But it was kind of one of those things where the two of you actually spoke to me and you hit the same you hit the same guitar chord, you know what I mean? And and as a musician, you know, like, if you have a favorite chord, be what it is, you know, D minor, the saddest of all keys, whatever, man. So, uh-huh. so I, the, the two of you both hit the same chord with me, and I thought what I what I found familiar about both of you, because I, I, I think I kind of know people like you who, who speak plainly, you know what I mean? And with too much... I guess with too much eloquence comes, I don't mean that you're ineloquent at all. Please don't take it that way. But I think when people fancy up a lot of language and make people feel like they don't know what they're doing, it kind of muddles the process of actually trying to help people and motivate them. Yeah. And I also do think that, um, we all respond to different voices and different teachers and different messaging because it is, it's all the same crap, but it really is who, who speaks your language and who, who makes it, who makes the light go on for you. So, Apparently, getting yelled at and you know, <laughs> and curse words work for you. <laughs> no, you know, you, I mean, you 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 mentioned on the word teaching and teachers. I think I think it's important to also like who are the teachers that really floated your boat that you can talk about. Um, you know, honestly, it's kind of funny, but these 
Well, quite frankly, like I couldn't find a lot of books written by a lot of women about money because, again, my, my big thing was around money. So it was all these old white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so like <laughs> Wallace Bottles, who wrote uh, The Science of Getting Rich and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. They were great. I love Byron Katie's work. This is uh, She wrote a book called Loving What Is. And, and honestly, the teachers who spoke the loudest to me are the ones who are the most pithy because I am an impatient person and (laughs) anybody who explains something too many times I'm done I'm out and so uh, and and Byron Katie's work it's like four questions you gotta ask yourself to change your perception to change a lot of stuff in your life yeah so those guys I love Louise Hay she's super woo woo but she was you know one of my early (laughs) wait hold on what's woo woo Jen (laughs) Woo-woo is when it's super love yourself and, okay. um, yeah, and you know, and I freaking put love yourself in every single chapter of my book. So, you know, I am guilty as charged, but it's, my, it, it's, it's more earnest and not irreverent and very sincere. And, um, I don't know. What is woo-woo? That's a great question. No, I, I just, you know, I, I, I hear words. I love them. You know, so I'm always like, what does that word mean? Because yeah, everybody has different interpretations of stuff. Look that up in the dictionary and see what they say. <laughs> Yeah, well, woo woo is probably something completely different than what we think it is. Yeah, exactly. It's probably a, like a breed of dog. I don't know. So, was it important for you to be motivated by like a, a really varied bunch of different people? Because it sounded like the people you were just talking about, you started with the rich white guys and you started getting into woo woo. So, it seems like you also respond to a lot of different kind of ideas. You know, I, I, I started reading the books. That was my first thing, was reading the books and becoming aware of waking up to my crap and all of my autopilot beliefs and mm-hmm. starting to question the way that I viewed the world. So the books, you know, when I say the books, it's like Brian Crady, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Wallace Waddles, all that. So I started just any self-help book I could get my hand on. I read, regardless of the fact that I thought it was cheesy or goobery or whatever, I was like, you know what? I'm sick of my present reality, so I don't care what the hell it takes. So that's where I started. And then I started... Um, opening up my consciousness to okay so money is clearly the thing i want to work on where can i learn more about making money and that's when i started seeing online you know these money making seminars you know high-fiving people in the crowd and screaming i'm a millionaire blah like yeah what's, what's that about what's that about yeah, and so, but the thing is, I was like, all right, it is cheesy. I am horrified. If any of my friends catch me in here, I'm screwed. My street cred is down the toilet. Like, But what was more important to me at that point, I mean, all my life, the most important thing was being cool and, you know, mm-hmm. arrogantly ins- insisting that I could figure it out on my own and knowing and being right that it was hard to make money and that you can't make money as a writer and blah, blah, blah it finally became more important to me to make money. So all of my excuses became less important. All of my need to be right and my need to, you know, struggle and my need to be cool or whatever, that was overridden by my need to be successful and to get out of my current reality. So I didn't care what the hell I had to do. I did it. When you were doing that weird shit, were you thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm definitely going to, be making some money because I'm willing to do this kind of thing. I'm willing to go through this kind of uncomfortable stuff. So that gives you, it, does it like bolster you to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm fucking doing this shit, you know? Because it seems like to, to me, when I'm in situations that are very similar to that, I can't say I was in the exact ones, I, I kind of go like, you know, th- okay, this is what I'm in for. I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a pound. You know what I'm saying? You know, I honestly don't think at that point I even believe that or, or knew that I all I knew was this is the next step I'm taking I don't know where this is going to lead I hope to God I can make money I I you know it took me a long time it, you know what honestly it probably wasn't until I started making really good money that I could believe that I honestly believed that it was real and that it could happen for me I think in the beginning I was just in that moment like okay I'm just going to keep trying this and we keep going I'm going to keep going and somewhere deep down I must have believed that I could make money because otherwise I never would have bothered mm-hmm. but in the early days I don't think I had made that's an interesting point I don't think I made that connection to you know if I'm willing to put on a name tag and hug this stranger next to me and tell him you know he has a millionaire mind I don't you know I can do anything I think yeah. I was just like alright I'm in this fucking weird ass seminar I'm doing it I don't know where it's leading now, it, it, uh, it, you seem like you always trusted yourself though and that's an important thing for people like I 
I trusted myself because I was 17. I listened in the Marines. I was doing crazy things and had to trust myself physically with my life. But a lot of people, like uh, you probably know a lot of people that don't trust themselves to, to stick with something and stay in the game or show up every day because they might think they're wrong. All I know is that I really wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, and, and you know, I was like, what was your big turning point? I didn't have a big turning point. I don't think most people, you know, get evicted or, or get dumped by the love of their life for being a big fat loser or, you know, survive some horrible disease and suddenly the light bulb goes on. I think for most of us, we, we just have to realize that you have a very finite amount of time on planet Earth as the you that is you. Yeah. And it is up to you how you're going to spend it. And so I think I just really, I mean, there's something about being 40 and living in a converted garage and just being like, I mean, really my house at the time was like, it was, it was a one car garage. Let's just put it that way. Not a two car garage. (laughs) So, you know, and I just, I was like, really? And, And this is why I call my books. You are a badass because I know deep down everybody really is because we all have the ability to create what we desire and that is freaking badass so to have this knowing deep down that I could be doing so much better and I wasn't finally just became too painful and too unacceptable I was like no I can't do this anymore so for me and, and quite frankly it was about the money but even more than the money it was about that that Jen Sincero on earth being who I'm meant to be. I don't want to be somebody who's settling, who's focusing on how hard it is to do A, B, and C and how I can't do this because of that. That's not who I want to be. So for me, it really was way more about stepping into it and going for it and living an exciting life and feeling like I was living up to my potential and being excited about life instead of wallowing around in my mediocrity. So, you know, and the money was also important. I don't want to say that wasn't important because that gave me the options and freedom to live the life I want to live. So, but I, I do think that you, you have to get to that point where you're unavailable to be living how you're living. No, I'll tell you, you are an inspiration, Jen. Thank you. It's awesome hearing you speak. I'm glad I, we had this conversation. Hopefully we'll be able to meet up at some point. No, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hang with you. Maybe have a drink of, you said you like margaritas, so. Yeah? Yeah, we have these fun-loving criminals drinks that are called fun-loving criminals, so we remember the name. Oh, I, I would love fun-loving criminals. We'll, we'll, definitely, awesome. we'll definitely try to cross paths. You're, you're out in New Mexico way, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure your tour comes through Santa Fe. Never. Well, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be in L.A. because the criminals are doing a new record, and we're going to try to mix it out in L.A. Okay. Just because we figured we've never done that. So we used to go to Hawaii to do the records, but now we're just going to go oh, to that's L.A. wise. Yeah, we figured we'll get, you know, get like a big old place out in Malibu, have all the kids running around like crazy out there. Oh, but yeah, if I'm out there, if I'm, if well, I'm, congratulations on that. I mean, talk about living a badass life. That yeah. is so exciting. You know, what? I, I, thank you. And, and one of the things that I, 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 the reason I stay inspired is because every day I wake up and I say, hey, you know what? I could be not doing this. I could be doing something that I completely fucking hate. And I have oh. been that guy that I was doing stuff that I completely fucking hated. So I remember it. And yeah. And when I first got turned on to you, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm t- I'll tell you, you know, you're sincere, you're an Italian lady. I understand that with that comes a lot of sensibilities that a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't uh, f- fulfill. You know what I mean? Like your sensibilities are there and they're awesome. And I think, you know, that's why I think you're such an inspiration. And I think that, uh, that you know, when we hang out, we, we should, you know, have a couple of margaritas and make it nice. And I'll make you a big bowl of pasta. Oh, well, you that's, know. That's another part of the Italian sensibility. Oh, yeah. Well, I, 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 could, I could use a big bowl of pasta. I haven't had one in a while. <laughs> but, hey, stay paid, Jen. I appreciate you taking the time and hanging with me. Likewise. This was really, really fun. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. You have a good day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. I told you that one was a little different. I hope you took some of that good advice. Let me know on Twitter if you uh, if you write that letter to your money. Because cash money be waiting for your letter. Not the DJ, my G, but uh, the actual thing. Okay, so this is the part where I usually tell you who's coming up next. And what we've got doozies lined up. But right now, we're still playing with some details on the schedule. Perfecting the mix for you. So stay tuned. Subscribe to the pod on your favorite podcast app. And check me out on Facebook and Twitter uh, for the latest news about who's coming out next. So, friends, until next time, y'all stay classy.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.